Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read from Ezra chapter 4, and there is a bit of a confusing spot at the end of this chapter, so we'll focus on that when we get to it, but first we read the text. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to Yahweh, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do, and we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Yeshua, and the rest of the fathers' houses in Israel said to them, You have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to Yahweh, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. In the days of Artaxerxes, Bishlam and Mithridath and Tabiel and the rest of their associates wrote to Artaxerxes, king of Persia. The letter was written in Aramaic and translated. Rahum, the commander, and Shimshai, the scribe, wrote a letter against Jerusalem to Artaxerxes, the king, as follows. Rahum, the commander, Shimshai, the scribe, and the rest of their associates, the judges, the governors, the officials, the Persians, the men of Erech, the Babylonians, the men of Susa, that is, the Elamites, and the rest of the nations whom the great and noble Aznapar deported and settled in the cities of Samaria and the rest of the province beyond the river. This is a copy of the letter that they sent. To Artaxerxes the king, your servants, the men of the province beyond the river, send greeting. And now be it known to the king that the Jews who came up from you to us have gone to Jerusalem. They are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They are finishing the walls and repairing the foundations. Now be it known to the king that if this city is rebuilt and the walls finished, they will not pay tribute, custom, or toll, and the royal revenue will be impaired. Now because we eat the salt of the palace and it is not fitting for us to witness the king's dishonor, therefore we send and inform the king, in order that search may be made in the book of the records of your fathers. You will find in the book of the records and learn that this city is a rebellious city, hurtful to kings and provinces, and that sedition was stirred up in it from of old. That was why this city was laid waste. We make known to the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls finished, you will then have no possession in the province beyond the river. The king sent an answer to Rahum the commander and Shimshai the scribe and the rest of their associates who live in Samaria and in the rest of the province beyond the river, greeting. And now the letter that you sent to us has been plainly read before me. And I made a decree, and search has been made. And it has been found that this city from of old has risen against kings, and that rebellion and sedition have been made in it. And mighty kings have been over Jerusalem, who ruled over the whole province beyond the river, to whom tribute, custom, and toll were paid. Therefore make a decree that these men be made to cease, and that this city be not rebuilt until a decree is made by me. And take care not to be slack in this matter. Why should damage grow to the hurt of the king? 
Then, when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai, the scribe, and their associates, they went in haste to the Jews at Jerusalem, and by force and power made them cease. Then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped, and it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So this text begins with really the opposition to the rebuilding of God's house. And when we say the house of God, and this is going to get to the confusion at the end of the text, what are we talking about exactly? Are we talking about the temple? Or are we talking a little more generically about the capital, the city of Jerusalem? Which of those two is in mind? That's something to be focused on. And again, it's important at the end of the chapter together. Now, as we look at the historicity of this chapter, the the exterior events, the things of the chronology that we're aware of, again, Babylon destroyed Jerusalem in 587 BC. Cyrus destroyed Babylon in 538, and by 537 had set the Jews free to return to their homeland. But the work on the house of the Lord, specifically the temple, was slow to start. It didn't go well. So we have Cyrus is going to be mentioned here in the text in verse 5. He reigned until 529 BC. At his death, Cambyses, his son, took over and ruled for uh, seven or eight years or so. And then in 521, Darius, Darius I, became king of Persia. His reign lasted until 486. That Darius name is important because it shows up again at the end of the chapter, the very end of the chapter. So as you look at that note, uh, the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia, you'd be looking at that as being around 520 BC, that the work on the house of God in Jerusalem stopped until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now, as we rewind here back to verse 6, Ahasuerus is the one who reigns after Darius. He reigns from 486 to 465. And Ahasuerus is the Hebrew name for what everybody else called Xerxes. X-E-R-X-E-S. And as you read more Bible history, as you get to the book of Esther, this would be the king that Esther marries. She becomes his queen. And then in, in verse 7, we now hear of Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes follows after Xerxes and reigns from 465 until 424. Now the problem that I mentioned of the text is that the letter here in the middle of the chapter, is written to Artaxerxes, who reigns in the 460s and on to 424. The temple of God is long completed at this point. If you're just talking very specifically and narrowly about the temple, it was finished in 517, maybe 516 in that range, which would fit in with Darius and what we see in the early parts of this chapter about the opposition that if they didn't re resume work on the temple until the second year of Darius, that's 520 BC. They've taken a break for way too many years. Um, and it takes them a couple of years even at that point to then finally finish the temple. But the trick is, they write the letter to Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes then responds, and it's Artaxerxes who shut down that work that is mentioned there in verse 23, right? Uh, the copy of Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai. They went in haste and by power and force made them cease.
they ceased working on the house of God that is in Jerusalem until the second year of a guy who is already dead. That's the confusing part as you're trying to read through this text. So there's two ways to look at this uh, and to, to think this one through. It is true. This is not, this is a possible third, but it doesn't make sense. The possible third way is that the man who reigns after Artaxerxes is actually another Darius, Darius the second, uh, who's going to reign from 423 until 404. Um, historically, that doesn't fit, though, because the temple and Jerusalem both at that point are already finished. So we don't want to try and pin it to that. So your two options here. The one is how do you read this word house of God? And if you're reading it as the temple, then the temple work, yes, had been stopped at one point under Darius. But if you're reading it as just the fullness of Jerusalem, as it is in Artaxerxes, the letter that they wrote to him, then the fullness of God's house, the fullness of Jerusalem, that city being his home among his people, what you really end up with, I guess it's not two ways, it's one. And that's the idea that verse 24 ends up being a reference to something prior. And the, the Concordia commentary series used by a lot of LCMS pastors and, and even lay people in our churches, as they translated this text in verse 24, they did include the word previously, and it had previously ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, uh, trying to get us thinking that this, really bringing this chapter full circle. So you had a, a cease at the beginning in the work on the temple, and even after they finally finished that at some point, then you have more opposition. Opposition just continues against God's people. And so they stopped, they started, they stopped, and they started, they stopped, and they started. It's a continuing process, lots of slow re rebuilding and consistent opposition to them. That's essentially the way that you're probably going to end up making the most sense out of the timeline and chronology of this chapter. Because again, it does seem with the simplest reading of the English text to be a little bit off. Uh, so you might have struggled with that as you read it, but I hope that was a helpful conversation around what's going on here. So as we dig into the text itself a little bit more in detail, again, opposition. Judah had many enemies. They were not liked by their neighbors. And so the neighbors, here's your question, uh, as they ask to build with God's people, they want to help rebuild the temple. Ask your children, is that true? Are they being honest? in their, their desire to help here? And the answer to that is no. So why? What are they doing? Well, the best guess would be that as they would be there helping rebuild, they'd actually be sabotaging and they'd be doing shoddy work that would fall apart over time and lead to ruin and harm for God's people. But rightly, you see in verse 3, uh, Zerubbabel turns down their offer that they have been given authority by Yahweh and by Cyrus, the king of Persia, to do this work, and they're going to complete it themselves. couple of notes real quick on that. First, it is interesting that as these opposition forces are speaking to Zerubbabel in verse 2, saying that they want to help, they don't know God's name, or at least they don't use it. As Zerubbabel responds by saying the divine name of Yahweh that can be found in Exodus 3 for the first time, it shows up almost 7,000 times in the Old Testament. They don't say it. They just say, we worship your God as you do. 
We've been sacrificing him to him. So they don't seem to have that acknowledgement, that recognition, and the very confession of faith that Yahweh is. Yahweh means he is. When we say it, we speak that we believe in him. So that's an interesting note. And then also the other note, again, historically here, Esar Hadan is the king of Assyria from 681 until 669. With verse 4, um, the people are discouraged by the opposition as they, they oppose them in several different ways. Uh, fear tactics going on here, bribing uh, to help frustrate the purpose, so bribing officials to make it harder for the work to get done, that kind of stuff. The question in verse 4 is they're afraid to continue to build. Where is their trust? They're not looking to the Lord. They're concerned over what their neighbor is going to do. And so that's a, that's a disconnect in the faith of Israel again um, from the Lord. Let's see. Going down to verse 10. Well, I guess verse 7 would give us a note. The text was written in Aramaic and then translated Two common languages in that region of that day would have been Hebrew and Aramaic. And so many people actually knew both, but not necessarily everyone. Verse 10, Aznapar likely was the, the man who served as king after Esarhaddon of Assyria. Um, so the 660s and, and afterwards for a couple of decades. You notice the... The way that they craft their letter, they begin by sending greetings. They begin by, you know, general niceties and also speaking highly of Artaxerxes, labeling him king and speaking humbly of themselves. Beyond the river is a reference to the Jordan River. So Assyria and now Persia at this point is off to the east. And to actually reach the, the land that the Jews are now rebuilding, you would have to go west. You would have to cross the Jordan River which is part of what we see in so much of the Old Testament. So they seem to have come to name it beyond the river. They have two arguments for Artaxerxes as to why this city should not be rebuilt. One, it's rebellious and wicked. And they encourage the king to look in the history books to find the re records of that. And argument number two is that in their rebellion, they will not pay this king tribute. So this is going to be a blow to your empire, King Artaxerxes. You are going to lose money if you let them do their thing. That's the arguments being laid out. And the king does the research. Well, he has, he, he decrees for the research to be done. And it's done, and it, he finds out that what they're speaking seems to be true. Uh, that the Jews, when they had previously had their temple built, well, what did they do? They didn't pay tribute, which is an interesting argument to make because before Babylon destroyed that temple in 587 BC, there was no one over Judah that they had to pay tribute to. So there's actually no, no point of comparison here for Artaxerxes to be fairly making. They are now under his control. They're a part of his kingdom. Before, they weren't. So yeah, they didn't pay tribute to the Assyrian king in the past because he wasn't their king. But now Artaxerxes is their king. So there is a disconnect there. It's important to make note of. All right, that looks like about our text for the day. The opposition is, is the theme.
hindering the work of building the Lord's house. You're going to see the opposite of that tomorrow as the rebuilding begins anew again.